Welcome to the Axiom Insights Podcast. My name is Scott Rutherford. This podcast talks about trends and best practices in supporting organizational performance through learning. In this episode, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion with DEI expert Karen Hines. Karen is an author, coach, and speaker, and is CEO of the Workplace Success Group. She specializes in working with business leaders to help them strategically build inclusive cultures that enable performance. Karen, can you maybe start us out and tell us your background in approaching diversity, equity, inclusion, and leadership? What's your professional practice? Just help us understand sort of where you approach these topics from. Sure. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. And um, what a way to start a podcast. Love it. I think for me, so I've been doing my work now for over 23 years when I started my company back in Boston. And at the time when I started, uh, my One of my first assignments, even before I had the company, was to help financial services uh, companies in the area build diverse talent pipelines. And what I saw then, and still seeing it now, is that you cannot separate leadership from DEI. DEI is a part of leadership. So a lot of the work we do is helping companies develop uh, leaders, inclusive leaders, who are able to lead at that level. I think we've seen with the social uh, justice awakening that we're now learning for some organizations, what is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our take is that it should be integrated into leadership development uh, because we're in a world that is so very much diverse. So let's talk about some of the dimensions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's been, of course, an urgency placed on the topic in the past few years, as you alluded to, to integrate DEI as a facet of leadership. But there are many dimensions we could talk about in a DEI discussion. Culture, race, ethnicity, religion, or lack thereof, gender, gender identity, age, and many others. So is part of the challenge bringing together all of those dimensions, or how do you look at it? I think the challenge is people refuse to see each other as human beings and that we're all equal. That's that's where we need to start. I mean, when you look at it, we're all very different, but our society has given different uh, weights to people of certain groups. Therefore, if you don't belong to a certain group, you're not seen as valuable. So when you boil it all down, how can we create a society and a workplace uh, that recognizes each person for who they are and not give more importance, more favor, more privileges, advantages to certain groups simply because of who they are? And that's what that's what we're talking about here. How do we have access and opportunity that is equal across the board? It is equity. And it hasn't been that uh, so in the past. And that's why we see so many different groups trying to figure out how do I just be able to have a level playing field where everyone can be able to have access to opportunities uh, so they can grow. And of course, that requires some you know, brutal honesty, too, to start reconciling you know, everyone's blind spots then. Of course. I mean, as human beings, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have blind spots and we have to acknowledge that. I mean, even though I've been doing this work for quite a number of years, I have blind spots. I think to be human is to have a blind spot. Uh, It's the way you were brought up, your values, your experiences all create these blind spots. What's important is for us to acknowledge that they're there and that they do affect certain decision making uh, uh, when we're doing that, when we're making decisions or blind spots do influence our decisions to recognize that and to make sure that we can address that. 
There's been a considerable amount of focus in recent years on the role of empathy in leadership, and I asked Karen from her perspective how empathy intersects with the DEI discussion. You know, when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, and we think about uh, you know, empathy. You know, first of all, people think empathy is sympathy. It is not. So when you talk about empathy, it's really important for us to be able to walk in that other person's shoes, but not just stay there, but what are you going to do to, to what action are you going to take to make sure you assist? So it's not, it's not enough to just feel, oh, wow, you know, I feel for you. I walk in your shoes. I'm with you. What actions can you take? And, and that's what we're looking for. And I think, Every person, regardless of who they are, whether you're a supervisor, whether you're an individual contributor, you're an executive leader, uh, whether you're a mom uh, or you are someone in the community, it doesn't really matter. We, we have to get back to this place of humanity and recognizing that we're all in the storm of life, but we're having different experiences. And because we're having different experiences, it is important that we stop and listen and pay attention to how someone else is experiencing the world and not assume that they're having the same experience as you are. You start with the individual. It is a big change, but I think it's really getting everyone to understand that at the end of the day, each person who they're working with, I want the same thing. People want to be able to take care of their families. They want opportunities to grow and excel. They want to see their kids grow up and, and, and do well in life. Uh, let's all start right there. And when I work with leaders, oftentimes I'm working with leaders that have not been exposed to a lot of diversity. And some of them grew up in a different time. And they're battling and trying to understand, you know, where did all this now come from? It's not that this is new. It's that it's been brought to the forefront. It's finally been given some light around the way other, pe- other people experience the workplace, the way people experience just everyday living. So I always start when I work with the leaders by letting them know that first, this is an environment that we're going to create that is psychologically safe, because this is a very challenging discussion. Uh, It can be very intimidating and frustrating, and you're challenging people's identity, the way they were brought up in some cases, not all, but some. So start by allowing people to give them the space to ask the difficult questions, for them to know that they this is an environment where there's no, I say no judging, blaming, guilting, or shaming, So people can have a learning opportunity. Let's start by building awareness around what are we talking about? Don't point fingers, but let's just start by building awareness. And that's where I start because you can't expect anyone to be a change agent if they're not even aware of the issues or what they've been taught about how other people experience the world is so different than what they're seeing in reality. So let's start by having an awareness of what are we talking about and go back to why is this a business imperative? So there's the human aspect, but it's also the business imperative that all companies need to pay attention to as well. (laughs) 
I also wanted to get Karen's perspective about how businesses can look at the return on investment from DEI. Uh, for instance, I have a report here from Corin Ferry that companies that embrace DEI, they say, are 70% more likely to capture new markets and 36% more likely to outperform on profitability. When you're hanging the dollar sign out in front of an initiative, it tends to get the budget. Let's be frank. Um, <laughs> what do you say to you know, people who maybe aren't convinced about the, the return on investment value of putting the work in here? I think we just need to look at examples in different industries of the disruption that is taking place. So any industry, look across any industry, whether it be uh, beauty, finance, entertainment, uh, you name the industry uh, and you will see a disruption where people who have been, their voices have been left out. They're carving out niches for themselves. And mainstream is finally realizing, wait a minute, what just happened? So we all also know that the stats say that in a number of years from now, we're going to have a majority minority with, with no racial, uh, no majority racial ethnic group. So what does that say about where we're heading? And this is not just about race and ethnicity. It's about all the different facets of diversity uh, that we talk about. So for organizations who want to look at who are their customers? How is their customer base changing? Um, how are they really paying attention to the needs of the communities that they serve? And what are their customers asking for? So those are the questions that businesses should be asking because we know that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we will not be living in the same world. If you look back 20 years ago, it's a very different environment from where we are right now. So any business that wants to stay uh, ahead of the curve, who wants to remain relevant, uh, needs to have this conversation now at a very deep level and not just a surface uh, level at this point. And that includes looking ahead and considering who will be in the C-suite and senior leadership as well. Uh, even if we only consider gender, for example, we know that women have been perennially underrepresented on boards of directors and in the C-suite. And even if we look into abilities, we know that it's only recently that we started seeing babies who are not portrayed as what we, or society, often look at as the perfect children. We know that we've had that stereotype of what a perfect baby looked like, and we've seen a lot of the children's company begin to recognize that all children are valuable and they should be featured in commercials and they should be featured in campaigns instead of uh, continually showing the same faces and the same stereotype of what uh, the ideal child is. And that's important. And you've seen a difference uh, in that industry. So in every industry at this point, uh, those who are ready to move forward, they're seeing the change. And those that are not ready uh, will have to make a decision as to how are they going to show up for the people they serve and the people they go to and ask to buy their services and products. So let's go back to the training angle on this a little bit more. We talked a little about the conversations that are necessary to change the culture of an organization, you know, and to be human with each other. Mm -hmm. um, that also requires a, a tremendous amount of trust, uh, especially on topics that are sensitive, right? Because, you know, people are going to be understandably nervous 
about opening their mouth and saying the wrong thing, especially when their livelihood's on the line, their career's on the line. So, So how do you coach people through that? It's hard to create trust. I'll say that having been in a variety of uh, organizations many times myself, it it is uh, difficult to build and easy to destroy. So how do you manage that as sort of a a building block of these conversations? You know, um, trust is seen, demonstrated long before you have the conversation on diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think what is important is for senior leaders to set the example. So if how are they creating opportunities to learn and grow? And it's not training. I think that's the misconception that people have, that you could train someone to be uh, sensitive. What you could do is build their awareness and then create a culture that supports that. Because I can, you can go to 200 training sessions, but if you come back to a toxic environment where no one trusts each other, then what was the purpose of that? So I think when we talk earlier on about culture change, let's start at the top. You know, are leaders keeping their word? Are they keep being true to what they say? Are they practicing what they talk about themselves? You know, we've worked with organizations who invest uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars into DEI efforts yet their people do not trust them. They make decisions that are behind closed doors that no one knows about and pull surprises on their employees. Uh, Promotions and and firings happen and nobody quite understand why. Uh, There's a lot of backroom meetings happening and nobody can trust the word of anyone within the organization, yet they're embarking on massive DEI efforts. When you have that kind of environment, no amount of training is, is going to fix that. What has to happen is the CEO, the entire senior leadership team need to start there by building trust among themselves and let that trickle down throughout the organization for them to be held accountable for any DEI initiatives that they put in place, for them to set uh, strategic objectives that will demonstrate to the organization that they're serious about this and for them to recognize that this is a journey and no one can fix any any of these initiatives in about a week or a month, a year. It's going to take time of you year over year building a culture that says we value differences. How do you how do you handle when someone disagrees or goes against the grain? Do you shut them down? Those are the kinds of things that indicate to a culture if there's trust. So Let's start with the day-to-day activities and, and sending the message first that we want to hear from you. And it's okay if we don't get everything right, but we're in a learning environment and then build from there. Cause you can't train anybody to be uh, culturally sensitive. You build their awareness and then give them the opportunity to demonstrate that in a day-to-day basis. Of course, it's ideal if you have support from the C-suite, but that's not always reality. So let's talk through a a hypothetical. Let's say we're in the CEO's blind spot. For whatever reason, they don't necessarily think this is an issue or they're not making it a priority. What do you say to someone who's not the CEO? How can they start becoming a change agent when they may not have the title or the organizational authority? I I, I say every, every person who's working should have a personal DEI plan. So while you may be in an organization that will probably never value DI, if you're in middle management, that means you probably have a team, maybe maybe one or two, we have five people working with you. How do you ensure that you begin to practice um, inclusive leadership? That's where you start. Because if your senior leaders is not doing it, uh, unless we get their ear, 
it's up to each individual manager for them to live this out in their corner. Um, and, you know, we hope that it catches and it becomes contagious and it makes its way up. But we know that's rather difficult. So I would encourage anyone who's listening, start by looking at how you treat people. How do you uh, help others grow? How are you being inclusive? You know, something as simple as who do you share a meal with? Who do you go to to make uh, your most important decisions? Uh, where do you go when you want to bounce uh, ideas off? If you don't have anyone that's different from you and and not just uh, in, in position, in uh racial or ethnic makeup. Uh, we want to look at neurodiversity as well and all the other facts of diversity. If everyone in your circle looks like you, why don't we start there? Because it may take time to uh, make a, a change in the senior leadership, but the one place you have control over is how do you show up? How do you use your power to impact change and help those around you? How do you ensure that you can advocate for other people when you see the opportunity? Who are you mentoring? So I think we need to recognize that individually, we have power that we can use. And even if senior leadership were to come along and put together the best DEI plan, it doesn't mean that it's going to be effective right away. It's still going to take time and still will require exactly what I'm outlining here for someone who's in middle management. A, a recommendation that I came across within the past month or so, which which made me stop and pause, was simply to say it was it was speaking to people of you know I'm I'm of a of a certain age I'm a generation Xer, um, so I've 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 I feel like I've been around a little bit in the business world, and the recommendation was to folks of you know a certain age, um, you know have a mentor who's twenty years younger, uh, of a different generational mindset, and I thought well. You know that's a really interesting point, uh, and it could be one that's very powerful to have to have mentor and mentee relationships both at every stage of your career with with a diversity of of, uh, of perspectives. And I I think uh, it really could provide a structure maybe to to get at what you were talking about a minute ago, which is you know don't always talk to the same people, don't talk to the people who are always just like you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a good one. I think it's mentoring, and I would even take it a step further for advocacy, because oftentimes you need someone to be a voice in a room where you may not have access. So the mentoring is, is a great way to start, and I think everyone who has the opportunity to impact someone else's growth should take that opportunity and do it. But then when no one is looking, when no one, when no diverse voices are in a room, when you find people, uh, when you find opportunities coming across your desk, who are you speaking up for? So take the mentoring one step further to advocacy, because at the end of the day, that's what's really needed. Because sometimes mentoring as a start is great, but then as you get higher up into levels of leadership, we know mentoring is not enough. You need someone to advocate for you, someone to sponsor you. So there are levels to the involvement. I don't want to put too much focus on what might go wrong, but I think it's fair to say we're in a moment where there's been some recognition that these are topics a business should focus on and that the future of the business depends on how we recognize the strengths of all of our people. But that has been driven by 
external moments of crisis, too, over the past few years. And so I ask Karen what happens if and when that external social pressure or the news cycle moves on. Is there a risk, do you think, that we'll see that urgency fade? And how do we, how do we keep the fire lit? I, I think we, yeah, I think we've already seen the urgency fade. <laughs> so it's not about the risk. We've already seen it. So we're one year out. We now have other uh, news at the front uh, in front of us every day. So and and people, quite frankly, some organizations are experiencing diversity fatigue where they want to move on, but they were hoping for quick solutions. They're hoping that a year down, they will be in a much better place. But we're talking about structural changes. We're talking about uh, looking at systems and processes, and those take time to change. So we've already seen diversity fatigue set in for a number of organizations who you know, the shiny object syndrome has already worn off and something else is shiny again and they've moved on or they're, they've not put, they're not putting as many resources or, you know, the focus is in a different place. So I don't think it's, if it's going to happen, it's already happening. We've already been seeing that. And we know that some companies are very much still invested in making a difference and they're doing their very best. But for others, like in anything else, um, they've moved on to other agenda items. So, Karen, I know you have a lot of resources and you speak on these topics and you work with businesses on these topics. Are there any resources you would recommend people um, go to or, or take a look at if, they're, if they want to, uh, to explore this further? Sure. Um, they can go to our website, workplacesuccess.com. We have uh, a series of webinars happening uh, that they can take advantage of. Um, but we also have uh, links to a number of uh, YouTube videos that further uh, go deeper in a number of topics that we've already discussed here, quick tips and strategies that you as mid-level managers can take advantage of right away. And, you know, by all means, just join our, our mailing list so we can share with you our upcoming resources, our podcasts, as well as um, other webinars and workshops and leadership development programs that we'll be hosting in a few months. My thanks again to Karen Hines. And we'll have links to the resources Karen mentioned on the podcast episode page at axiomlearningsolutions.com slash podcast. And please let us know what you think about this podcast. Send us a note, info at axiomlearningsolutions.com or please use the contact link on the Axiom Learning Solutions website, axiomlearningsolutions.com. Thanks for listening to the Axiom Insights Podcast.